Well, there's a, a mental side of it. If you go into a store and all the ammo's gone, you're like, you know, it, it, it enhances demand yeah. even more, you know, when there's a shortage. It's, it's about like, like the grocery stores in March right? and April. Yeah. You couldn't find anything, right? To- to- whether it was toilet paper, paper towels, you know, soap, whatever it was. It's just that. I think you you kind of touched on it before. You never know what someone's going to do until they get put in that position of a, of a pandemic. Nobody could predict how someone would react. But I think if you look at just around here in the Midwest, when we have a big snow event getting ready to come in, how people react and how they go to the grocery store, like th- that's kind of the mentality, right? That fight or flight type of mentality. Yeah. Well, it's like, I need to get my hands on anything I can get my hands on. And then all of a sudden everybody's in the same boat. You know, it's like, okay, now none of us can get ammo. Who's got all the ammo. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Winchester firearms, the American legend. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 201. I am Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Drury, and we have a special in-house guest today, a few. Yeah, we've got Brett Floyer, president of Winchester, and we've got Mark Drury, president of Turkey Killing. <laughs> Where's my long beard XR? <laughs> yes. I'm ready yes. to go. Yeah, that's it's right. getting that season. Oh, it is. I can't wait. This is such a rare opportunity. So we're so honored to have Brett here with us to talk about ammunition and what's going on in the market right now. It's it's such a weird time in our nation and in the market. So we've got a lot of great questions for Brett. He's the guy to have. Yeah, we're lucky. You know, we talked about this the other day. We've been lucky in the fact that the past few podcasts we've had a lot of industry CEOs, presidents, guys that really, you know, learned doctors, there you go, movers and shakers in the industry. So we're getting kind of the inside information, what's happening, the pulse. And, you know, we missed the trade shows this year. And that's something we're used to seeing all, all these people in yeah. person and kind of you get the pulse of the, the outdoors, the outdoor industry by being at those shows. And we missed all that this year. So it's been nice to, you know, be able to have uh, guys like you on and, and kind of see what's happening out there. Really get get a better idea and, and share that with our audience. Absolutely. And who better to share it with than the guy that knows the most about it from our partner <laughs> at Winchester, Brett. Uh, Brett, you've been in the industry a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Winchester, an Amer- American legend. We're so proud of being partnered with an iconic brand. But lately, I get a lot of questions and almost, I don't want to say pushback, but they're like, what's going on at Winchester, you know? And it's a, it's a different time as, as Matt and Tim have alluded to. So maybe you could speak just a little bit about, have you ever seen anything like this before uh, in your tenure there at Winchester? Well, before I answer that question, let me first say that we really appreciate the work that you guys do, especially when it comes to a lot of the new product evaluation that uh, the jury team does, because without your input, we couldn't make those refinements. So thank you very much. Thank you. And to answer that question, uh, yes, we have seen similar uh, demand levels like we have um, right now. But uh, as far as comparison right now, I don't know that there's a comparison because there's so many different variables at play right now mm-hmm. on demand that it is it is something in my 35 years that I don't think I've ever seen the demand level that it is right now. And, and it's all a lot of good things happening in our industry that's driving that demand as well. So we'll dive into all that here in a little bit. I wanted to start with what you mentioned it, you know, we get the chance to kind of 
test out some products on the f- front end of it before they get, get released to the public. And the latest one was that 6.8 Western. And Mark had a chance to shoot it quite a bit this quite past fall. And, well, you know, when you guys go into product development and thinking, you know, okay, looking across industry, what's a new product that might resonate with our consumer? What, what kind of goes into that thought process or the, the back end of that? Well, it, it really starts with finding solutions that make it a lot easier for uh, the, our customers out there, whether they're recreational shooters or hunters, law enforcement, military customers that we have. It's finding a solution and, and making sure, especially when you uh, introduce a new caliber, uh, ammunition companies that introduce new calibers have to live with that forever uh, because there's whether you sell one gun or sell a million guns, it's going to happen uh, where we have to produce that ammunition for those customers. So we absolutely have to make sure that it's it's meaningful and provides that solution. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the primary factor that goes into it. What would a typical timeline, if you you know it's it's available now or becoming available, if you back up, when did when does that process like that begin? You know, is that a one year deal, five years, or how long would the process be from you know conception to on the shelf? Generally, on a new caliber like that, it's it's two to three years, maybe a little bit longer on the how complicated it is, the work that has to be done on the firearm. Um, so it, it does take a long time. You know, a, a new product introduction doesn't have to take that long. Uh, a line extension or a new bullet could let, you know, be a year to two years, okay. but uh, it, usually new products take a long time because it's not just the great work that the engineers do. You have to back that up in manufacturing. You have to have equipment, tooling. You have There's so many uh, steps that take place in the development of new products. So it does extend it out. So we're working on products right now that uh, are three to five years out. And we will always have that as part of our um, op- operation. It's in our sure. DNA. We've, you know, for a long time, we've, we felt like it was part of our responsibility to drive those solutions and better products in the marketplace. So um, we will always have that backlog of new products out there. I think back just over the last few years, you look at Deer Season XP, then the 350 Legend, now the 6.8, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to see the innovation that comes from, you know, our partners at Winchester. And like you said earlier, we're lucky to be the ones that get to go out there and test it just a little bit. And, but it, do, it does lead to another subject, which is all this innovation in a time where we're seeing unprecedented demand. You know, I mean, what, what do you think's driving that demand out there right now? Well, I think there's about three things that are key. There's probably more than that, but there's three things, in my opinion, that are key. And it really started a year ago. We saw a heightened level of concern for the American public on personal security. And that was really driven by two things. One, the pandemic and the uncertainty of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Most of us have never been through a pandemic and did not know what to expect. And people, you know, respond differently to that. And many people decided, I want to be able to, you know, protect myself. So that was one thing. And then a few months later over the summer, we saw a, 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 you know, a heightened level of, um, uncertainty in the marketplace related to civil unrest. Well, that drove that personal security concern even that much further. So that was that was one thing. And this is probably the three things that are different than other surges or other high level of demands we saw. But the pa- pandemic also did something very positive for the industry uh, because 
when most people had to be locked up and quarantined and they couldn't go on vacations, they couldn't do their normal things, they weren't spending money going to movies or out to dinner, what did they do? Well, most most people, a lot of people went outside and uh, a lot of those people went outside to hunt. You know, I think in uh, the turkey season last spring, we saw a big increase in the number of turkey hunters. I haven't seen the numbers for the fall for deer season yet or some of the other hunting activities, but I think they'll they'll be big. Yeah. Um, so it's that's another thing. And so people went to the, the clay target ranges, the pistol ranges, the rifle ranges, and it just drove a lot of excitement. Every, every outdoor recreational sport in the camp hunt and fish experience the same thing. So uh, the, uh, the recreational shooting business and the hunting business saw the same thing as well. The, the last thing that's driving demand is there are concerns that our customers have that there may be future legislative activity driven by politics mm-hmm. that may limit their ability to buy guns and ammunition in the future. So that drives demand. So when you combine all those three things together, what happened last year is that we saw almost 21 million guns sold. If you use Nick's background checks as the proxy, Mm -hmm. that was about a 60% increase over year over year. So that's a big number. You saw more women enter all those uh, recreational shooting sports and about 9 million, a little less than nine. And that number changes because it's continuing to grow. About 9 million of those 21 million firearms were first time gun owners. So Mm -hmm. people that have never bought a firearm before decided to do that, whether it was for one of those three reasons. Um, So that's probably the key things that are driving our business right now and why when when our customers go into a a retail store, they're not seeing any ammo because there's a lot of people uh, using it. And uh, and that's that's a good thing. But I do understand the frustration level that the consumer has sure. when they can't get that ammo. There sure is a lot to unpack there. Right. Yeah, there's so a lot. <clears throat> one of the things I want to circle back a little bit. So on the six, eight Western, when we helped you guys in announcing it with podcasts and and uh, and, and on social media, one of the first things we saw is why introduce something new when we can't get something, you know, the Nine existing, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I can't get, you know, 270, you know, I didn't have enough ammo for deer season, you know? So, so I guess I think you kind of answered that already when you said, Hey, we start this process two, three years in advance, but it's, you know, dive into that a little bit more. Well, in the demand level that we're at right now, it would be easy to or just to focus on executing, you know, making more ammo for our customers. Well, we're focused on that as well, but I don't think that you'll ever see Winchester get itself in a position where we're not focused on new products and Mm -hmm. driving solutions to our customers because without that, we'll lose and, and so will our customers. We have to maintain that. So we're not taking away from our ability to uh, to deliver as much ammunition as we can sure. when we're working on new products. We will always have that new products backlog uh, to work on. Um, and it does take some time, uh, but we're working, we've, we're working on new things right now in the middle of this high level of demand as well. So, so do you guys have to say, you know, one part of the plant gets shut down and, and, and repositioned to make the new ammo. And then all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, we were making X amount of, 
30 odd six ammo and now or six five Creedmoor or whatever. And now we're not because we're making six eight Western. You know, that I think when it comes to the factories, how, how does that side of it work? Well, very rarely does a new product really take that much away from the other products mm-hmm. that we make. A lot of times it may be brand new equipment that are that are producing that product. Um, other times it, it may take a little bit of it away, but usually it's not that much. It's not that impactful on our current production levels to have that new product. It's not always that way, but it, it's it's not as impactful as you may think it would be. So um, consumers getting both. They're getting as much as we can make and they're getting some newness as well. Sure. And one of the things that we've been talking with our partners with, especially over the past year, was their supply chain and how that has been disrupted. Has that impacted you guys in any way? You know, it, there's been uh, a lot of times where it, it could have, but it's it's been tight. Uh, I would say that it has not impacted us uh, in, a, in a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, our supply chain team really works well with our vendors uh, to make sure that that does not happen. So, no, I, I wouldn't say that that's been a big deal. We watch it very close. Could it happen in the future? Yes. But uh, as of now, no. Sure. When you when you guys talk about your factories, you know, and, and through COVID, we had a lot of partners that, you know, certain states, they just had to shut down their factories. They had no choice. Right. So, you know, March, April, May, really tough months for some folks. How did you guys make it through that period? Did you have to have any shutdowns? I'm sure there was many protocols that had to take place inside your factories. Because, I mean, that's that's another has to be another factor as well. I mean, just the human interaction side. Somebody's building that ammunition. A lot of somebody's and and several plants. So how did you guys approach it? Well, the first thing, I mean, we didn't know what we didn't know at the time, just like everybody else. You, you were learning as you went. Um, and the first thing that we made a decision, we were going to make sure our employees were safe, that okay. we weren't going to create a situation where we were going to put them in harm's way. So we followed all the appropriate guidelines out there, um, learned from those guidelines, and successfully worked through it. As far as shutting down our business, we never shut down our business. Um, did we have some periods of slow time because we were dealing with COVID and, and learning on how to keep our employees safe? Absolutely. But we never shut down. And that primary reason we didn't shut down, we were essential uh, business. Sure. So we were able to, to keep open and operation. A lot of that has to do with what we do for uh, as far as manufacturing and who we manufacture for, for the military as well, and a lot of law enforcement customers too. But we were able to make consumer ammunition as well during that period of time. But keeping the customers or keeping our employees safe was the number one priority. That's a that's a great segue into military law enforcement, the recreational shooter, the hunter. How do you balance, you know, because obviously demand is is outweighing supply. How do you balance where what supply you have is where it's going? I mean, how, how do you make yeah. those decisions? Well, I think the uh, the big question related to that could be is, uh, is our military customers taking away from our ability or to have their purchases went up a lot that would affect our ability to take care of the, the, the commercial customer, the consumer out there? And the answer to that is simply no. Um, you know, we get pretty good visibility from our military customers. They give a long runway on what their projections are. And we have not seen a substantial change over the years in the demand level from the military. Now, we make a lot for the military, but it hasn't been something that's taken away recently from our 
our, our capability. And and we have a pretty good handle on the military too. When when you look at our three manufacturing plants that we make ammunition at, every one of those plants does make ammunition at some level for the U.S. military, the service, the war fighter. Uh, so we have pretty good visibility on that. And when you look at uh, as much as we make for them at those three different places, we would have a pretty good feel whether or not that was taking away from our capability. And it just it just has not happened. So they're not all of a sudden stockpiling or making it difficult for the the typical consumer to go into Bass Pro or Cabela's and get their ammo. But it's, it's the same. It's a contract you've had and you're fulfilling your contract. It's not like they're going and grabbing as much ammo as they can get, right? Correct. Correct. And, and that hasn't changed over the years. It's so it's really just consistent. the consumer demand that's just... I mean, how could you anticipate it? I mean, you m- mentioned those factors. Millions earlier. of I mean, added people. Added they people, need. added shooting. I, yeah. mean, I don't know. I don't know how you would. I mean, what what are your plans to like try and, you know, fill that void? Well, you know, a lot of people may think build a new plant, do right. expand, it's easy, do seems new equipment. Easy. <laughs> it's it's, new it's just easy. Make uh, Do a, a new high explosive operation. Well, I wish it was that easy, but it, it's not. It it takes a long time to make significant uh, changes in that your operation when it comes to new equipment or new facilities. But that's that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of things that we can do and we have been doing. And, and uh, we have been adding new equipment. It's something that we do all the time. It's something that we've accelerated a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've hired hundreds of new employees uh, to, to help us manufacture ammunition. It does take a long time to get employees trained properly. Right, sure. You guys have been through our plants. And mm-hmm. when you look at it, there's a lot of hands-on, a lot of technique. Uh, ammunition is sort of an artful manufacturing process. Uh, So it takes a long time for that. But there are things that we uh, have done and will continue to do uh, to drive more production and productivity with our current equipment. So, Well, consumer behavior is so different right now. I, I have friends that are like, anytime they see ammunition, they buy ammunition. <laughs> no matter whether if they, they have the weapon for it or they, not. <laughs> whether they need it or not, they're, they're buying it. And, and that, that's, that's gotta be hard as a manufacturer to work around. Cause you have such a different behavior from the, the end user. Yeah. Well, there's a, a mental side of it. If you go into a store and all the ammo's gone, you're like, you know, it it, it enhances demand yeah. even more. You know, when there's a shortage, it's, it's about like, like the grocery stores in March, right? and April. Yeah. You couldn't find anything, right? To- to- whether it was toilet paper, paper towels, you know, soap, whatever it was. It's just that. I think you you kind of touched on it before. You never know what someone's going to do until they get put in that position of a pandemic. Nobody could predict how someone would react. But I think if you look at just around here in the Midwest, when we have a big snow event getting ready to come in, how people react and how they go to the grocery store, like that's kind of the mentality, right? That fight or flight type of mentality. Yeah. Well, it's like, I need to get my hands on anything I can get my hands on. And then all of a sudden everybody's in the same boat. You know, it's like, okay, now none of us can get ammo. Who's got all the ammo. And you hear these stories on social media all the time where say a mom and pop store, they just got a shipment in, right? They're swarmed. A- and it's gone before they never have a chance to even put it on the shelves and never makes it off the container. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And people are, are buying it and, and it might be one customer buying most of it. You know, so it's, I would assume it's hard as a manufacturer. It's not like you can just all of a sudden, you know, pop this new, new ammo out, you know, of thin air. You, 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 
you know, you probably work in as maximum shifts as you can, mm-hmm. you know, going as, as hard as you can to possibly get as much as you can out there. But one of the things that I had a question on is the demand and what that does to pricing. Is that something that you guys set or is that on an individual retail basis? Like, hey, mom and pop made it cost this much and maybe Bash Pro Cabela's has it at that. I mean, do you have any control over what that, you know, price is? Well, we, we do have control over what we sell product for to our customers, which are the retail wholesalers and retailers that when it leaves us into their hands, it becomes their decision point to what mm-hmm. they price product at. They can, whether it's a wholesaler, what they're pricing it to another retailer or what a retailer sells it to the consumer for. So, um, we have complete control over what we sell it for. And and really what drives our, our pricing is key commodity cost. Uh, you know, during the, the pandemic, uh, there's been a lot of activity related to these commodity costs that have really skyrocketed. When you look at copper, zinc, which is used to make brass, um, lead, which we use a lot of lead for sh- shot shells, um, um, and steel, which we use a lot of steel in our products as well, uh, and the heads of, uh, of some shot shells and some other centerfire products. All that's through the roof right now. That's really the driver of how we have to think about pricing our products. And then on top of that, I mentioned that we've hired hundreds of new employees. When you when you when you need to produce more and you have to do that and you have to train it, those are all costs. So really what changes pricing considerably is that material or input cost um, and your labor cost. And that's what you have to pay attention to. I was talking with one of our partners yesterday at RTP, Paul Hollis. I was down at his shop. He's over in Fenton, Missouri. And he was talking about the price of steel. And he's like, Matt, it's just because their machines are all steel. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's crazy, like quadrupled, It is, you know? And he's like, even if you think you can get it, he's like, it might be stuck on a container. It might be in port. It might be, it's just nearly impossible to get your hands on stuff right now. He said China bought up all the scrap, like when the steel mills Mm -hmm. shut down in like March, April, May, whatever. He said that some of them were shut down through October here in the States. He's like, China bought up all of the scrap material. And he's like... It's made it impossible to get your hands on this stuff. And he said several steel mills in in the United States shut down through through that process. Same things happening in the lumber industry. Exact mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. You know, t- demand is just so high they can't keep the supply out there. The prices are mm-hmm. going through the roof, and everybody's frustrated. But it is what it is. You know, until until yeah. things soften a little bit, yeah, it's going to going to stay that way. So, what what do you think the next? I need, you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you see the next? six, 12, 18 months looking like for you in terms of demand and your ability to try and catch up, I guess, if you, if you would say. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're, if you're wondering my opinion on whether or not this is on a slowdown anytime soon is my crystal ball sometimes gets real fuzzy on this. And I have, I get asked this question a lot, but you know, based on those three things that I've talked about and just the pure numbers of people, there's right now there's over 52 million people that recreational shoot. That's not the hunters. Some of them are also hunters, but yeah. 52 million recreational target shooters out there. That's two and a half times the amount of golfers, adult golfers yeah. in the U.S. So when you think about the numbers, you think about 20 million 
21 million new guns sold last year. Nix is the right proxy. I think it is. And then you look at the largest January on in history of guns sold this year and just the numbers that are going on. I really think it's going to be some time uh, before you start seeing that, especially on the items that are most frequently shot at uh, recreational ranges, like uh, whether that be a nine millimeter pistol, mm-hmm. it's very popular. Two, two, three, and five, five, six, very popular. You may see some of the hunting calibers, hunting stuff come back quicker, but okay. the recreational target shooting, I think, is is where I think it could last a long time. And, and not to say the hunting products are going to come around anytime soon either. It just may be the first that you see. Sure. Is it? True that, you know, <clears throat> say a, a, some of the big, big box stores that you guys uh, do business with buy up the bulk of the ammo and that leaves the mom and pops, you know, kind of shorthanded or, you know, h- how does that that work from a sales standpoint? I'm sure that, you know, all your sales team is well in advance of <coughs> the selling season. So orders had been put in way before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have customers that are large, that are very good customer of ours that have many stores out there. And we have a lot of mom and pop or independent dealers that have one store or a few stores. During these heightened levels demand, our goal is to make sure that we don't change our methodology. We want to make sure that everybody Mm -hmm. has the opportunity and is getting an increase if we're able to produce more. We want everybody to have that increase because you as a shopper, uh, if you go down to Denny Dennis and you want to shop there, you want to be able to buy ammunition there. And we want to you're used to buying Winchester. We want to make sure they have ammo. So, well, we may not get them enough. Uh, we're not getting anybody enough right now, but we do not change that model. We want everybody to stay in business. We want to make sure that they get the right amount based upon how their trends have been with us in the past. So, so no, we, we make sure everybody's taken care of on that. That's, that's admirable. I did not know that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm glad you addressed that. What about primers? What about that guy that's sitting at home, <laughs> likes to load his own stuff? I hear those are in my brother-in-law <laughs> impossible to find. I mean, they're, they're probably one of the most difficult to find and it's no different than ammo. There's a lot of people reloading mm-hmm. out there right now. So they're buying up a lot of primers. And if, if there's a thousand primers there and they really only need a couple hundred, they'll buy the thousand. Right. But there's a little bit layers of complication to the primers as well. Um, we're, we're consuming more. So we're making a lot of primers. We're making a lot of loaded ammo. So we have mm-hmm. to consume, we consume more of those. We also are fortunate enough to be a supplier to a lot of other ammunition manufacturers. So we are trying to supply them more so they can increase their production to take care of their customers as well. So when you put all that together, it's put a lot of pressure on primers. And you guys have a, a kind of a, a regulatory board, right? The Sammy or is, maybe it's not regulatory, but you guys, when you want to introduce something new, like the six, eight Western, like it has to be approved through that, right? Through yeah, it, it is. Uh, they, they set the standards. So they, they make sure that ammunition fits guns and, and make sure all the standards are there for safe manufacturing, safe use of ammo. It's a little bit broader than that, but that's the basic. Sure, thing. sure. Having been in the business as, as long as you have at unprecedented times, like are you losing sleep over this or like what, you know, I'm sure you get approached or, or see comments on social media and you have to be like, 
you know, if it was me, I'd be like, God, I wish I could get everybody all the ammo they want. And it's just impossible. Like, how do you, how do you sleep at night? I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but like, it would <laughs> drive me crazy sleep at night. <laughs> I sleep terribly, <laughs> sir. I'm nervous. A lot I'm, of snoring. I'm a, nervous, I'm a nervous person. I snore bad, but it, it, I always say, you know, the, the really old bucks, the ones that lived, they're nervous, you know? So I always, <laughs> I always tell people stay nervous, but I, I don't sleep well anyway, but uh, you know, how, what's the answer? I mean, I, or what, what do you tell that guy? That's like, I just want some 30 out six yeah. shells, man. I want to go deer hunting with yeah. my daughter or yeah. two forty three, whatever it is. Well, I mean, I do sleep at night pretty good, but uh, it does worry me that we can't take care of some of the, the customers out there to the level that they want to be taken care of, especially those that are uh, the new to the business, that uh, yeah. one of those 9 million first-time gun buyers. It bothers me that they're getting a bad experience, can't go in and buy some ammo, go to the range or go hunt or do whatever they they do um, uh, for, to recreate. The other key thing that really bothers me the most of not being able to supply is the youth hunters out there, the youth shooters out there. Um, there are a lot of them and it's growing. It's, it's something that Winchester has put a lot behind to make sure that the growth of the, the youth shooting sports continues. And that probably bothers me one of the most uh, uh, out there. So, you know, I, I'm just like you. I read through the social media and look at all the comments mm-hmm. uh, every evening sitting in front of it. And, and I get a little little concerned at some of the things that they're saying. But that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come on today and talk about this with you. Because I think at the end of the day, um, most people are pretty rational and they'll understand that we're doing everything that we can. We'll keep our employees safe. Uh, we're keeping the quality as high. And we'll continue to drive new products in the marketplace. That's what they need to to understand. Absolutely. You guys are, are you the number one manufacturer in the country as far as small? Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think that if not, we're right up there. I, I would assume that we are because especially since we won the Lake City Army Ammunition Plant contract, uh, which we took full operational control of that facility on October 1st of 2020. And it's been, it's been pretty exciting. I've got the opportunity to spend time out there, work with the employees that are there. You know, we went uh, from, you know, on October 1st, we hired just under 2000 new employees oh, in one day. Wow. Uh, and those people make ammunition every day for the warfighter. They have a mission of modernizing, making the highest quality ammunition for our warfighter. And when you add up all that, you know, I, I would be hard pressed if we weren't, you know, from a, yeah. from that standpoint, but there's, there's a lot of big manufacturers out there. Sure. Well, l- looking forward, if folks are interested in the six, eight Western, the platform, the cartridge, how soon do you think they can put their hands on that? Well, the, the good news about this, and this is something that is sort of new. Um, and we're, we don't have a lot of experience at doing this. And we made the decision on the 6.8 Western right after the, we got almost there on the 350 legend, which was an unbelievable introduction. You guys helped out a lot with that. That's been a great product for us. Uh, we enter, usually you go to the shot show, introduce a product a few months later to several months later, you marry that up, have production available, start selling it. It marries mm-hmm. up with the firearms if it's a new caliber out there. This time, we did, made the decision we were going to 
design our timeline along with Browning Firearms, which is a great partner of ours that that helps uh, that help through this process. Mm-hmm. We collaborated with them on this 6.8 Western. We made the decision that we were going to try to back up our timelines. When we introduced it, we would ship ammo and they would ship firearms almost at the same time of the introduction. And, and as today, we have shipped 6.8 Western ammo and they have shipped 6.8 Western firearms. So they're available. Now, I can't tell you you can go to a store and buy one. <laughs> I'm sure they're in hot uh, demand right they now are. because it's a it's a, it's a really good caliber that we think is going to do well out there. I know internally, you know, our process to order a firearm or, or, you know, anything like that, it seemed like it might be late summer until we could potentially get our hands on, on some. So, you know, and I, we have to go, I think from that standpoint, I don't know exactly where all Browning's making their firearms. I know, obviously there's a plant in Arnold over here, right near where I live, but uh, pieces are kind of coming from all over the place. So I think they were saying, in like late summer when when you might be able to really start seeing it more at in more, mass yeah mm-hmm. in mass so how about the the more recent you know, like or what's in front of us which is turkey season how are we doing on longbeard xr i mean just asking for a friend <laughs> <laughs> if you need some just call yeah. uh no we made special arrangements to make sure that we were not going to miss any turkey season at all with awesome. ammunition we've shipped a lot we're still making a lot so um i can't tell you how long it's going to stay on the shelf because everything's selling but we have made a lot more than we've ever made of turkey loads that are out on the market right now and including the long range as well. So no, it it should not be a problem, but it may be just maybe everybody's buying everything they can get. They right can. Now. Yeah. yeah. But know, it, the thing that I think about a lot, you keep mentioning the new the amount of new gun owners. And it's like the training, the, you know, that's the real, a lot of rounds. Yeah. That's the real shortfall in all this. You know, you have somebody that, that wants to, and you touched on it, but they want to learn, they have a desire, they want to, whether it's for safety reasons or for fun or whatever the case may be. And they might not be getting that chance or opportunity Mm -hmm. to go. You got to put a lot of rounds through a pistol is not, you know, you got to become really proficient at that. And that takes a lot of practice. There's no other way around it, right? Yeah. We were just talking about that yesterday. Like we're all a little, because even even if you're not new, you need to shoot to stay in practice. And you're thinking twice about pulling that trigger now on the range because it's like, I don't know Uh, if I can replace this. You're looking at your supply. Yeah. When can I replenish this? You know, maybe uh, I'll not shoot these. Right. Let's let's hold off here. I saw on on social media the other night, um, a a female influencer, she was uh, shooting. This wasn't a pistol. It was, I don't really know. It was some sort of AR, but it was like a crank you crank the feed through and uh people are just like hammering or like why are you wasting this no. it's, like, it's called fun it's like nobody's nobody's into fun right now like everybody's into pre- preservation and self-preservation yeah. you know when you think about the fun aspect of shooting you know with so many new people that have entered and so many people going outdoors to recreate over the last summer and the fall you know have you ever taken anybody to the range for the first time and they've said i had a bad time never no Mm-mm. that that's when i say this may last a little bit you know there's a lot of people that just as experienced for the first time so we may see demand high for a long time because of that because I've never taken anybody that said, I hated that. You yeah, know, yeah. People love it. I mean, so. Well, if you look at 
the, the pandemic specifically and how many more people entered the outdoors. Well, you throw that pebble in, how many do they introduce That's it right. to? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it, it grow the demand grows again, you know? Yeah. So you're, you're correct. Your point, it could be here for a bit. Yeah. It's what's better way to social distance and set up in a deer stand or lean up against a tree turkey hunt, right? Amen. I'm all for <laughs> it. Good right? to me. Are there, there programs that for education? I'm sure there are out there, but anything that Winchester specifically is behind where it helps kind of answer some of these questions or maybe there's tutorials or, you know, what? where does someone go? Because that's the, we're in that information age. Where does someone go to, you know, maybe they can't shoot the rounds right now, but where can they find out as much as they can possibly get about shooting the rounds? You know, we, we have that on our website and a lot of people have that available, but probably the one central location that I would recommend somebody go to, to learn as much as they can to have that is the national shooting sports foundations website, the NSSF. Mm -hmm. They accumulate a lot of information, where to shoot safety information, training information and it, it's sort of the starting point to even explode out even further so uh, i'd recommend people to go to that website there they represent everybody in the industry they're the uh the industry's trade uh, association so they keep tabs on everything out there and their website is very valuable whether to dig deep or as a jump off point to somewhere else yeah, they're, we'll they're, link that up in the show notes yeah, too perfect for people. certainly definitely Let's do some shout outs. Let's do Let's it. Do what about question of the day? So we'll get to that. we can do all of it. Uh, Jacob Fouch on YouTube says, love you guys. I'm really trying to get my kids involved in the outdoors. I ruptured a disc in, on September 30th. And three weeks later, I got T-boned at 90 miles an hour Jeez. by a diabetic driver. I'm a police officer. I've not been able to return to work since September 30th. And hopefully I can get back to work soon, sometime soon. You guys get me through these tough times. I get really depressed not being able to do cop work. I miss it so much. I miss hunting in general. Thanks, you guys. Keep them rolling. That's wow. that's your perfect. That's the perfect consumer, right? Because I'm sure the police officers are still running. They, I know that they got to still run rounds and practice and and do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that you guys have a lot on that side as far as contracts too, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's um, that's law enforcement is very important to us because I think we all want uh, the law enforcement to be well-trained. So we make sure that we supply the law sure. enforcement, but well, they're like the military. It's not like it's going up or big swings. They're buying as they need it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get well soon, Jacob. I hope I'm, our best wishes to Jacob. Yeah. You know, that's a tough story. Yeah. Right? yeah. Definitely. All right. So next one we have here, Jonathan Holsey uh, on DeerCast. He said, great info as always. Definitely want to get a liver analysis done ex- to see exactly what my herd needs. Thanks, guys. I think he's referring to our analogics podcast. Mm-hmm. Right on. Those yeah. guys were pretty informative. <laughs> they were uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. That was a really good one. All right. You want to jump into the question of the day here? Let's do All it. All right. We got an ammo specific one. So the question of the day is brought to you by Tenzing Outdoors. Go further. Hunt longer. Tenzing. Hello, my name's uh, Clarence Miller. I'm from Washington, Pennsylvania. My question is I pr- that I purchased a uh, Winchester XPR and a 350 Legend. It's topped with a uh, Vortec Crossfire 3x9 scope. My question is uh, do you have a preference or suggestion as to what bullet and grain that I should use or try uh, to work with this setup? Thank you. 
pretty straightforward, really, isn't straightforward it? Straightforward and easy answer for me. I shoot the Deer Season XP uh, from Winchester, 150 grain. It's a little over 2,300 at the muzzle. And uh, we've killed deer out to 235, 240 yards with that load. Uh, just make sure you know what it's doing. It's pretty flat out to about 200. It starts to drop somewhere in there. But boy, what a round. I mean, we've, we've just, it's revolutionized the way we set up in Iowa mm-hmm. for our typically shotgun or muzzleloader hunts. Now, you know, that, that 350 legend just changed everything for us up there. Game changer. And the best part about that, the recoil, there's, there's nothing there on this end. So it's an incredible round for the terminal performance coupled with the, the light recoil. I mean, it, it is the ultimate round for uh, anybody that doesn't like recoil, whether it be a, a youth you're trying to introduce, um, you know, perhaps a lady. I mean, it's, it's the perfect round. So. Perfect. Anything to add? Uh, he perfectly. He's probably used it more than anybody else too. <laughs> we <laughs> shot a few rounds. He's your, he's your consumer. <laughs> he, he 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 was one of the key influencers on that product, and and during the development of it, and the testing of it, and the fine tuning of it, uh, well before it was introduced. So. Good work. Well, it's like Longbeck Beard XR, and that's why I brought up Deer Season XP. You know, bring these calibers out, but also you can't overlook the design of that bullet and what it does to any caliber, how much more terminal performance you get out of it. And when you love something like that, it's easy to talk about it because you want other people to see the same results you see in the field, which are a clean, ethical kill with a short track job. And everybody knows here, it's why we did DeerCast Track. Within DeerCast, sometimes you have trouble with, with track jobs. Well, when you have ammunition that reduces that trouble and shortens that track job. I'm all about that for anybody because it's the worst feeling in the world taking an animal or taking a shot at an animal and not being able to find them. And Mm -hmm. that's what deer season XP does. I think at the grassroots level, it helps you find more game because it puts them down quicker. Absolutely. Yeah. And Clarence just won himself a deer cast ball cap for submitting a question of the day. So look out Clarence. I think he picked a great firearm too. That XBR. Yes. Pretty awesome. It, yeah. it really is. I mean, there's there's not anything wrong with that. I mean, as far as the trigger, it's real easy, real smooth. I mean, the the way that you could shuffle the rounds in there, it's it's all smooth. That the lever action, it's all smooth about it, right? Mm-hmm. Feed smooth, no problems. Never. I mean, we've been shooting it probably five, six years, maybe. Probably close to that. I yeah. would. Yeah, I would think it would be about four. If I'm not four mistaken. Five. Yeah, because we were shooting. What was it before that? I'm trying to think. Model 70. Yeah, the Model 70s. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, probably four or five years. It's a, yeah. So that coupled with the Deer Season XP, it's been pretty yes. deadly combination. It's deadly. You yeah. know, even like a 223, right? Look at that 223. We'll put a Deer Season XP in there. It's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Same with the 243. I mean, they're devastating rounds on whitetails. Yeah. Devastating. You had gr- grandma shooting that, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Two, yeah. two, three, XPR, deer season XP. <laughs> 87. She was 85 when 85. she shot that deer. Yeah. yeah. Ran 50 yards, fell over. It's just, you <laughs> know, that, cool? that means a lot, you know, yeah. it's, it's and, a big deal to yeah. me. That, I don't want the recoil. You, know? you guys asked me some questions about why we develop new products and why it's important. You, you just answered that question for me. There you go. Mm. Right there. Perfect. Speaking of devastating and falling over, let's wrap things up with the wildlife <laughs> word. Brought to you by Muddy Outdoors, home of the highest quality products for serious hunters. And it's another multiple choice. So what is the average longest distance a wild turkey will fly? Hmm. Is like it, at once? Like it's in, in one shot. Yeah. Okay. N- not over the span of its life, but 
Just one time, like, like you, you kick it up and it glide. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many of yep. you spooked? Yeah. <laughs> well, how many of you see? I seen? feel like it's a long answer. Why a lot of these birds fly away? Uh, is it A, one mile, B, five miles, C, a quarter mile, or D, 40 yards? We always let the guests go first <laughs> one, for self-preservation. One I know mile. it's not 40 yards. I've seen them fly farther. <laughs> one mile, five miles, a quarter mile, or 40 yards? I'll say a quarter mile. Probably okay. longer, but Brett's a quarter mile. That's kind of what I was thinking. See, quarter mile. I, I would say either a quarter or, or uh, it just depends. Like I've seen birds just f- sometimes their quick instinct is just fly up and find out what's going on. So I would say either a quarter mile or 40 yards, one of the two. And, and I don't know on average, but who, 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 who's the source of this answer? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Some ga- some ga- <laughs> <laughs> we kicked up a lot of birds and this is what we found. Uh, a quarter mile is, uh, I think I pulled this from NWTF. Okay. Well, so, great source. Yep. You're exactly right. Yeah. Boom. But it doesn't mean they'll always fly a quarter mile. Sometimes. Yeah. They'll just, Go until Sometimes. they, they know it's Seems about right. You pitch the here in the Midwest, they'll get off this ridge and go to the next ridge. You know, sure. it's yeah. very frequent. Yeah, sure. Well, if you're too close on the roost and you see them fly over to the next ridge, you know your morning shot. All the early hours getting up, uh, <laughs> being quiet getting in, you just screwed up. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible feeling. <laughs> it is a terrible feeling. I started the season that way last year. Roosted these birds first morning and walked right under them. <laughs> oh, great. It's time for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> so, so, Mark, when is your first turkey hunt this spring? Uh, in about just a few days, 20th South Texas okay. with a good buddy down there. Taylor and I are going to go down and see what we can do. Sweet. It's Perfect. that time of year. Yeah. Can't wait. You all getting right. out at all? Most likely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the tough part, I'm sure. Being in the outdoor industry and in a job probably is where it's long hours, long days. It's like, I'd love to hunt more, but mm-hmm. I don't actually get You know, a lot of people to. think that I have the best job in the world because all I do is get to hunt. Yeah. Uh, if they followed in my footsteps every day, they'd probably Not figure so out that they probably wouldn't want my job. Yeah. 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 It's us that gets to hunt. All the- <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Someone's, someone's got to do it. <laughs> Mark and Terry get to hunt all the time. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, episode 202, I think we're going to have our buddy Dan Drake from uh, Scent Crusher on. So awesome. be sure to stay tuned to that. Good and deal. Th- thank you to everyone who watched our 200th episode last week. Big it was time. a big milestone for us. Yeah, we had fun. So we did. <laughs> and we made a mess. Yeah. We appreciate you jumping on with us. I know you guys are probably getting questions all day, every day about some of these topics. And uh, hopefully this helps answer a few for the folks out there watching. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's it's weird times that we're living in, honestly. Yep. Joe Rogan say, says it all the time. It's strange times. And, and I hope from our viewers' standpoint, we asked the questions that, that were on their minds. I hope so. Yeah. You know, and if, if we didn't, shame on us, but we sure tried to get get to them. And we appreciate your honesty and your willingness to sit down with us and have this conversation because you're a busy guy and um, it just shows your, you know, your character to come in and say, yep, I'll, I'll answer the questions. I know they're tough questions, but we appreciate you doing that. Uh, n- no problem. I appreciate you uh, having me here today and, and we'll have to do it again sometime. All right. Let's do it. Thank you very much. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. See you next time. All right. Thank until you. next time. Peace out. DeerCast is giving you the chance to hunt with Mark and Terry Drury. Head over to DeerCast.com to enter.